The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously, there's spoilers in, in foul language. Yeah. Welcome to $20 Ticket, where we tell you how much we would pay to watch Mission Impossible 2. My name is Kerwin, and joining me today is Jason. What's up, Jason? Not much about you, Kerwin. I'm just hanging out, man. Uh, what are you drinking today? Drinking an ice cold Coors Light. Very good. Also joining us today is Mugga. How you doing, Mugs? Kerwin, what's going on? I'm chilling, man. What are you drinking? Uh, I also got a Coors Light and a little bit of wine. Nice. Uh, coming back is Bling. Bling, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me back again. Hey. Uh, <laughs> Oh, hey. Hey. <laughs> what are you drinking? I actually don't have anything to drink. I'm kind of Get this man a beverage. Would you like something? Yeah. You want something? No, I'm good. I'm good. You I, sure? I just had dinner. So. Okay. Fair enough. And rounding out the I, panel today is Dominic. Dominic, what are... Or, sorry. <laughs> I'm doing <laughs> fine. <laughs> I just I just skipped the intro. What are you drinking? Nothing. I would like someone to drink, though. Hold up. Get a Modelo over there. Is there more? Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break. And we're back. <laughs> and uh, also joining us today is Dominic. What's up, Dominic? What's up, Cohen? Uh What are you drinking today? Drinking a nice Modelo. Very good. So today we are talking about... No, 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 Mich- no. What, what are you drinking? Oh, yeah. No that's one right. asked you. That's right, yeah. I'm drinking a uh, Golden Road Mango Cart. Nice. One of my favorite beers. There you go. Yeah. Mas fancy. Yes. Uh, today we're talking about Mission Impossible 2, uh, released May 24th, 2000, produced by Cruz Wagner Productions and distributed by Paramount Pictures. It stars Tom Cruise, Doug Ray Scott, Tandy Newton, Richard Roxburgh, John Polson, Brendan Gleeson, Ving Rhames, and Anthony Hopkins. It's directed by John Woo and written by Robert Town. Before we get into behind the scenes, Mugga hit us with the financials. All right, so this is part of a franchise, you know. We all know that. Um, Our first sequel. There you go. Yeah. There you go. It it, it did well. Um, it cost around 125 million to make, uh, a lot more than the first one. Domestically, it earned around 250 million. Foreign, 331. So that gives it 546 million dollars that it made. Opening weekend, 58 million. Um, it was number one at the box office and all that. Here are some movies that were in at the time, because this is 2000. Uh, Aaron Brockovich, okay, uh, U571. Oh, wow. Good. One movie wow. that I like that doesn't get a lot of credit no, is Road yeah. Trip. Oh, you guys yeah. ever seen it? Yeah. You know, I love that oh, movie. Yeah, Road Trip's good. Ready for this, though? Gladiator. Ooh. Now, Gladiator was, I think, in like week four or five, so that's oh, why this was I, number one. Oh, wow. But Gladiator was right underneath it. So Mission Impossible 2 was number one, mm-hmm. and Gladiator was right underneath it, I believe, from what I got. Um, but yeah, it, it was up there competing with it, but I think it was in like week five or maybe even like later. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of interesting, you know? Yeah. I think Gladiator was like a hit, you know, from the get-go. Yeah, a good yeah. run, so yeah. yeah. Series-wise... We went over this on Mission Impossible 1 podcast that we did. This does rank second, though, of all of the Mission Impossibles, right behind Fallout, which is the newest one released. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that number three is the worst ranked financially of this series. It's number six, but future-wise, we're going to do all of these, right? Aren't we? We have to, right? Absolutely. There you go. Okay. But yeah, so this is number two. Um, financially, it was a success. Um, we'll get into maybe why, theories, all that stuff. Different director, different like you know path but but yeah it, it was a success at the movie theaters wasn't this also like the highest grossing movie of 2000 
Um, I read that. It was. Yeah. It was I the did highest, not yeah. read that. Yeah, it, it, is, was, huh? it was the highest grossing movie of the year. Yep. What over Gladiator? Huh. Yeah. Because yep. I remember Gladiator was a big deal because it was the highest grossing DVD sales of all time back when everyone bought DVDs. But this really was like the highest grossing movie huh? at the box office for the oh, year. Oh wow, yep. that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think even this film did was the, one of the highest grossing Mission Impossibles for a long yeah. time. Well, Fallout is the most, most recent movie. one. Yeah. I mean, I haven't even seen Fallout. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen all the other ones. I, I got to watch that. My thing is, did this movie save the franchise? I feel like it took it in a different direction where it's like now they can make more of them after that. I, I don't know. Your um, thoughts? I, you could argue that's probably why Mission Impossible 3 didn't do fair too well at the box office. So just the way that this film, we'll get into that. We'll get into yeah. yeah, so Jason, why don't you tell us what the people thought of this movie? So again, Rotten Tomatoes, we look at the tomato meter. I uh, got a 57%, so 57% of people liked it. I got a 5.96 out of 10 uh, with 148 reviews. Um, there's 84 that considered it fresh, 64 that considered it rotten. When you look at the audience, it was 43% of people liked it with uh, 451,000 reviews. Uh, we look at IMDb, got a 6.1 out of 10 with 287,000 reviews. Again, looking at the demos, again, Kind of crazy, but females under 18 gave it the highest rating of 7.2. Males in the same age bracket gave it a 5.9. So again, I mean, the average rating on IMDb for all was 6.1, but females were over a point higher. I feel like ever since you started paying attention to the demos, girls under 18 are like the people that vote the most. Is that the I mean, case? I, I didn't, it's weird. It doesn't really tell you, at least when I'm... I'll have to double check next time when I do the next movie, but I don't remember seeing like the um, the number of reviews. Yeah. But it seems like you're right. Like the the female under eighteen is giving like because you started doing this for Fifty Shades of Grey, right? Yeah, I started it. to like go a little deeper into to the ratings, yeah. and it's like it's interesting. Um, just a couple other things, real quick. Lou Lamerick of the uh, New York Post, just a, a quote for him <laughs> when this movie came out. He said, "Check your brains at the popcorn stand and hang on for a spectacular ride." That was his quote about the movie. It was nominated for two Golden Raspberry Awards in 2000. One of them was Worst Remake or Sequel. I did hear that, yeah. And what's the actress's name? Uh, Tandy Newton. She got nominated for Worst Supporting Actress. Damn. Which I, I, I don't know. I thought she did a good job. Maybe it's just, she's a, she's a cute girl. I thought she did a good job. She's definitely not the worst actor in this movie. Yeah. You know? No. Yeah. But, and then, I don't know if you guys ever saw, there was, um, during the MTV Movie Awards in 2000, they had a mockumentary mm-hmm. about the movie. Um, so it had, it starred Tom Cruise, but Ben Stiller as his stunt double. <laughs> they made fun <laughs> and, of it. Yeah, John I, I get it. It's, it's a good, you gotta watch that. I yeah. vaguely remember that, yes. Yeah. I, I actually rewatched it this morning. It's about six a little over six minutes long, but it's freaking awesome. It is so funny. You, you have to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ben Stiller just does such a great job of like kind of imitating him. And then they go back and forth, like interviewing Ben Stiller and Tom Cruise, like just about like Ben Stiller's influence on Tom Cruise and how he appreciates him. But just it's, it's hilarious. You have to go back and watch it. You can find it on YouTube. But yeah, I mean, that's all I got for uh, for the ratings. Hey, hey, Jason, real quickly, how did this film fare compared to the previous one? Did it do better or did it do rate worse? It or? did better at the box office. I think the ratings, from what I remember, I think these are a little bit better. I can't remember exactly. Okay. But definitely at the box office, it did better. I think number three is the worst rated one, isn't it? No. It's not. This one is. Surprisingly enough, this was the worst rated one at a 57. We look at number one, it was a 63. 
And then we go to number three, it was a 70. Although at the box office, it did much better. Yeah. It's rated one of the lowest so ones of the franchise, would, uh, which yeah. is like like we were talking about earlier. It's pretty common for sequels. Yeah, it's, sequels it's rated typically, you know, they say they don't capture the magic of the first ones, but they usually rate a lot worse than, than the originals. Yeah, six percent difference, but I mean, still, it is it is lower for sure. So getting into behind the scenes, Tom Cruise is back. You know, yeah. this is his franchise. He's producing it, and you know, I also want to give a shout out to everybody at the table. It's the same crew from the first movie. So <laughs> give give yourselves a round of applause. Oh, yay! Yeah, yeah. All right, so Tom Cruise is back, and this time he brought uh, Hong Kong action director John Woo with him. Uh, Brian De Palma, the director of the first film, was offered the role, but he turned it down. Oliver Stone, who did JFK and Wall Street, was originally attached to direct this movie, but because of scheduling conflicts with Tom Cruise's other movie, Eyes Wide Shut, he had to drop out. Um, So Eyes Wide Shut. Eyes Wide Shut is famous uh, for holding the world record for the longest movie shoot ever at 400 days uh, with a shooting streak of 46 weeks straight. So almost an entire year straight of production on that film. Um, Tom Cruise was originally only committed to six months to that film, but ended up sticking around with that project to the very end. We'll get into the domino effect, too, when we start getting into more of the cast. But like this impacted Hollywood big time. This movie alone, which we'll get into. But yeah, keep going. So uh, Oliver Stone dropped out and the job eventually went to John Woo, who actually got the call from Tom Cruise while he was shooting a Nike commercial in Brazil. Um, prior to this, John Woo had made several Hong Kong action flicks, usually with Chow Yun-Fat starring in a lot of them. Uh, Woo's film, The Killer, actually influenced a lot of film culture worldwide, including directors like Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez with their movies, uh, including direct references to Woo's movie. Uh, John Woo emigrated to the U.S. in 1993, working in Hollywood to create the films Hard Target, Broken Arrow, and Face Off. At first, Wu was kind of apprehensive about following in uh, Brian De Palma's footsteps and competing with his directorial style, but Cruz made it a point to let Wu express his vision because he wanted each film in the Mission Impossible franchise to be like an episode of the TV series, each episode having its own unique style based on each unique director that was hired. Um, He was brought on board because Tom Cruise felt that he was one of the best action directors working in Hollywood at that time. Even though John Wu was Tom Cruise's choice, uh, there was some trouble during production with him. Wu got into it early with the film's first cinematographer, Andrew Lesney, uh, who did Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit trilogy. Uh, Wu felt that Lesney couldn't keep up with his style and had him replaced with Jeffrey L. Kimball, who did The Expendables. He also clashed with Tom Cruise a lot on stunts. Tom Cruise wanted to do his own stunts with Wu insisting on using body doubles, but because Cruise was the producer on the film, the actor got his way. Um, you know, even though they kind of beefed as far as the stunts go, Wu did say that he was impressed with Tom Cruise's courage. But I heard it was a big deal throughout the whole movie, which we'll get into, you know. Wu had difficulties during previous American Hollywood jobs, dealing with rules regarding production schedules, uh, the amount of suitable violence in a film, as well as dealing with Hollywood management. Uh, there were rumors that despite Paramount's ruling that the movie needed to be PG-13, John Woo went ahead and filmed an R-rated version of this movie that ended up being over three hours long. It was also rumored that the studio took the final cut away from him and edited it themselves to make it PG-13 and much shorter. According to Woo, Mission Impossible is his first PG-13 film. Production for this movie went through further troubles, 
and went over schedule, forcing Tom Cruise to pay for a lot of the production with his own money. To this day, every director that has worked on a Mission Impossible film has been asked to come back except for John Woo. Yeah, I, I was reading that too. Like, I also read the first director was who again for the first uh, Mission Impossible? It was De Palma? Yeah, right? Brian De Palma. I heard he was even asked back to come back for this one. I, I read that, but then they decided to go with John Woo. I, I guess he didn't want to do another one. It's just interesting, like, even the first director was asked to come back, but for whatever reason, John Woo is not... He has not been asked. He's the only director of any of the sequels not to return in. So, J.J. Abrams, he did three, right? Yeah. And he was also... In charge of Ghost Protocol? He, he executive produced, okay. I think, Ghost so Protocol. So it, it's always been a different director then, right? Yes, except for um, six and seven, or seven and eight. No, six, five six. and six. No, 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 seven and eight. Um, so Wait, five, an eight? we just came out with six, which is Fallout. Fallout yes. So Fallout is six. And oh, you've seen the ones that are coming yeah, up. Yeah, and okay. I think that's uh, Christopher McQuarrie. Christopher McQuarrie, and, and he's coming back for uh, seven and eight. He's okay. directing those back to back. And he uh, also did five. He also did uh, Rogue, Rogue Nation. Nation yes. Yeah, so Christopher McQuarrie is the only director to actually come back. And do two. Yeah, so they're, oh. do, they're filming um, seven and eight back to back, and they're supposed to come out in 2020 and 2021. Interesting. So uh, much like the first movie in the franchise, this movie had its action sequences planned out before the script was written. In an interview with creativescreenwriting.com, the writer Robert Town detailed that by the time he became involved with the second Mission Impossible film, uh, he also wrote the first. All the action set pieces were already choreographed by John Woo and Tom Cruise, and that essentially all he had to do, or not all he had to do, because that's kind of difficult, but he had to create a story to make it all fit together and he didn't kind of find his way until about the third draft of the script. If you're wondering why the love story is so prominent in this movie, it's because John Woo wasn't interested at all in the spy aspects of the film and wanted to focus more on the human elements of the love story instead of just action and stunts. Speaking of focusing on the love story, I like this movie. Mm-hmm. There's action in it. Yes, a lot of action. Car scene. <laughs> you sure? No, there. Well, that's what I'm I mean, saying. There, there is, but is there's there, not. Is there really the a lot? The first, besides the whole rock climbing thing, mm-hmm. they say you go for like an hour of just like dialogue and like story and character development. It's like, no, there's it, no action, even, dude. It's you not, know, it's not like, evenly balanced. Yeah, all the it, action. It, and, is, and, and then all of a sudden they just throw it at you at the end. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, you get a lot of action. What Kerwin is saying yeah. is very transparent. When you watch the movie, you're like, dude, you're right. They don't fire a gun off until like the very end, dude. You know? Yeah, even the uh, even the spy the, stuff they do, like yeah, it's they had literally the car scene. They had the okay, the car scene where they're, they're on a mountain lab yeah. where they had the shoot off. No, no, that's not that's, for another. That's, that's the, the tail end. Of, that's the yeah, second. That's half like of an movie. hour in. That's that's yeah. That's near. To yeah, what I'm end. saying is like they don't have a lot of action, but like um, they have the moments where they're at the the horse race or whatever, yeah. where they're at the races, and all they have is just Tandy Newton pickpocketing people. Yeah. But that's it. But there's no. There's no action in the movie aside from, you know, him climbing and the car love dance or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they don't get into any action until he gets to the pharmaceutical firm. Can I bring up one thing about the story? Yeah, go ahead. There's the part where they're actually in, you know, um, uh, Australia and they're talking about the whole plot of what's going on, this and that. Like the mythos? There's a, like the yeah, mythology? the myths, the characters, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt basically says, you know, oh, they did this and this and that. And basically he says it's that simple, right? Do you guys know why he actually says that? No. So basically because the script for the first one was so complicated and people had a hard time. (laughs) It's like a, like a whole jab at the first one. Like, no, the story behind this one is that simple, simple. you know? (laughs) And that's why they actually have it in there, you know? But I watched it again since then. I'm like, it's so great. It's so great. It's the best part of the movie. And it's like a reoccurring theme, like throughout, like they really break everything down 
not only visually but narratively like they, oh, yeah. they talk about at, what's going at on at the horse race part yeah yeah and it's yeah. like we, we get it like yeah. you're trying to redeem yourself from the convolutedness <laughs> of the first movie that's put like, it in his left jacket pocket confirm <laughs> left jacket pocket confirm left jacket pocket like we see them looking left right yeah. <laughs> and it's like we see them looking at the screen the camera now he's looking at the screen we're showing this on the screen it's just like oh my god like we're seeing it like we get it <laughs> It's that simple. It's that simple. You know? you know, it's funny that you mentioned that too because, you know, we got the same writer and the script was conceived the exact same way. Like, let's plan out all the action first yeah. and force a script to work around these pieces. You know, this time, like you said, it's kind of a jab at the first one, but maybe a jab at the people that watched it. Like, hey, y'all thought it was too complicated. I'm going to make it real simple for you Very this time. Simple. Yeah. yeah. So getting into casting, uh, this movie also stars uh, Tandy Newton, who was actually recommended for the role by Nicole Kidman, who was Tom Cruise's ex-wife at the time. Uh, she was cast before the script was even written. According to IMDb, Tandy Newton was supposed to star in Charlie's Angels, uh, which was released in October the same year, but allegedly had to drop out because the movie went over schedule. There are some other interviews that discredit this um, because Tandy Newton herself has said that she dropped out of Charlie's Angels to focus on her family. Uh, another person that was supposed to be in the movie uh, was Ian McKellen, and he was actually offered the part of Commander Swanbeck, which was played by Anthony Hopkins, but he turned it down and went on to do Magneto in X-Men and Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. If he stayed and uh, stuck with Mission Impossible 2, he might have missed out on those roles. Somebody who did miss out on a role. So you're taking all, yeah, no, keep going though. Like, yeah, the, the, this movie was a domino effect on like wow. some characters that we have. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody here, you know, we love Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, oh, right? Yeah, yes. Man. Yes. Oh yeah. I think it might be the, one of the best casting, if not the best casting of a character of all time. Oh, oh yeah. I know where you're going with this. Yeah. So, uh, Doug Ray Scott, who plays, uh, Sean Ambrose or yeah, Sean Ambrose. Yeah. 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 Sean yeah. Ambrose yes. in this movie was originally cast to play Wolverine in 2000's X-Men, but he had to bail on X-Men because Mission Impossible 2 went so over schedule. Uh, because he had to dip out of that movie, Hugh Jackman got the role for X-Men, and we couldn't be happier. And I, I, heard, Hugh, I heard Hugh Jackman was like, Kind of like a B-list actor, right? At the no, time, yeah, like he, he hadn't really done anything. He's like a stage actor, anything. I think. Yeah. No, he hadn't done anything. This, uh, My thing is, I read an article. They said why Mission Impossible Two is like the worst, best movie in Hollywood because of this reason of like, hey, if this doesn't happen, we don't get you know Gandalf. We don't get you know like Charlie's Angels. I could really care less about, yeah. but like then like we don't get Hugh Jackman. And I'm like, blessing wow, in disguise. That's crazy, all I gotta say. You know? Yeah, it's a blessing yeah. in disguise. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that's crazy too is like we could have we could have lost Magneto. Could have no, Magneto too. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And like this movie came out a month and a half after Mission Impossible too. X Men wow. came out a month and a half after, which is wow. crazy. Wow. I just can't imagine no Hugh Jackman, man. That that would have been crazy. Which like I do like Anthony Hopkins in this movie. Don't you guys like him? I mean, I think he was good. Uh, I'm not he's saying in my pr he's in my uh, treasures. Like he has like, okay. some of the best lines. It's not, mission <laughs> it's not mission. Wait, difficult. Not it's mission difficult. Mission Impossible. Yeah, yeah. Which difficult I think is to be walking the park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's one of the first times they too. say Mission Impossible in the in yeah. the, the franchises when know. Anthony Hopkins says it too. But that's interesting though. I mean, like literally, like how important the casting of this film was. You know. You had I, something about why they did the whole thing in Australia. Well, there's a couple things. So I also read an article about some of the, you know, some of these uh, with Hugh Jackman and Ian McKellen. The article was labeled like the movie that 
influenced some of the best movies of the century or something like that. Because it's just the way it worked out with the casting. Like, we would have never had some of these awesome characters. I just thought that was a cool title. A cool thing while they were shooting, too, was Nicole Kidman was also shooting a, a movie called The Birthday Girl. And she suggested to the director of that movie that they shoot in Australia so that Nicole Kidman, because she was married to Tom Cruise at the time, that her and the kids could be near Tom while they were shooting Mission Impossible 2. I thought that was kind of okay. interesting as well. But yeah, I just, I, I love that title of the article. Like just, it's, yeah. it's crazy how, you know, we would have never had a Hugh Jackman or Ian McKellen. It's, it's nuts. Magneto, Dumbledore, not Dumbledore, uh, Gandalf, Gandalf, along yeah. with, you know, yeah, Wolverine. It's crazy. Dumbledore. Yeah. <laughs> Did that what I said? No, no, no. Oh. You, you said it right. All right. Dumbledore. <laughs> it's our second podcast today. I'm a little tipsy. <laughs> All right, so the music in this movie is composed by Hans, Hans Zimmer. Zimmer. Yes. Okay, yeah. before we get into this, do you at all see any roots of Dark Knight? I no, heard some. I, you I don't. Tell, you I, tell I, it was Hans okay, watch it again. I'm yeah. telling you. I, I, no, you he, could he, really... Even some of the themes, like, this sounds like Gladiator. Like, some of the... There was oh, that, yeah. too. There yeah. was that, too. I yeah. definitely heard Gladiator yeah. in this You movie. didn't hear Gladiator. the Dark Knight when they had the fire on that little ritual going on I mean, and I, I told Jason about it he was like because we watched it the other yeah, night yeah we were, we were watching it and he told me that right before we watched it and I'm like dude I don't remember and it had been a while since I've seen Mission Impossible 2 like it's been a while so like he's like keep your ears peaked for this and I started listening I was like oh my god this sounds just like The Dark yeah. Knight yeah watch it again I'm telling yeah. you uh, speaking of which I know this is a totally different movie but like when you get to Mission Impossible Fallout you're gonna hear a lot of Dark Knight Rises really yeah. <laughs> Hans Zimmer didn't do it I don't think but the, the scores it. are very yeah. similar okay. yeah so, you know, with Hans Zimmer, uh, John Woo, John Woo's preference is to create the theme music with the composer before filming starts. Uh, and he likes to use that music as inspiration, uh, which is why you hear a lot of that Spanish guitar, uh, et cetera, because I guess he went on site uh, to go visit the locations and maybe he had Hans Zimmer with him or whatever, but that's how the Spanish guitar and I guess the, uh, the female vocals were added, I would assume, uh, later on. Uh, Two bands uh, made amazing, well, amazing music for Metallica. this movie. Metallica. Metallica and everybody's favorite. Limp Biscuit. Oh, yeah. But I heard Metallica, this is the first movie they ever actually let their songs be on, right? They wrote the song for this movie. But, oh. but So what happened was somehow before the movie they came out, and they, again, they wrote, I think it's called I Disappear was the yeah. song they wrote for the movie, but some of it got leaked part of it got leaked on Napster and that's what kind of started that Taking whole feud. Back. Oh, the Napster thing. Well, this you, movie is so crucial in but like do you, Hollywood. But do you remember, like Metallica was the one band that was really anti-Napster. Oh, yeah. And a lot of... Napster. Yeah, and, it, and yeah, and a lot of it was because... It started from this song because part of it got released on Napster and it wasn't a full cut of the song but it was part of it and that's what kind of fueled... Not to name another... Uh, Metallica song, but it kind of fueled all that kind of stuff too. Um, I kind of like how Limp Biscuit did the the intro song, right? Uh, yeah, so yeah. they they did a rendition of the Mission Impossible there you theme. Go, of the yeah. theme, yeah. That's Limp Biscuit at the very beginning of the theme. Yeah, anytime really? you hear like the yeah. guitar, like oh, I didn't know. But I mean, also Hans Zimmer, he, he's known to jam out too. He's got yeah. a band too, yeah. so yeah. All right, so Mugga, you got some uh, some info on the stunts. So why don't you uh, let us know about that? So. <laughs> There's, there's some iconic, I have to say, oh, you know, um, ah, stunts on this. I think we can all agree the rock climbing scene is what sets the tone for the movie. We're going to say that to the last. Okay. Um, let's start then with the car chase. Do you guys know this was originally not I mean, this was a beat in the movie? What? No. They, they, they wanted to take place in a room, In right? a room, and just them talking, and <laughs> Wu says, well, that's going to be boring. <laughs> that's what he said, you know? <laughs> so, so he designed this car chase scene to be more, quote-unquote, 
energy, romantic, like, like, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? You know? So that's, that's why you get this. Um, the end spin, do you guys know? I mean, cause it doesn't really, doesn't really make sense. Like he finds her, calls her, she hangs up, he ends up, you know, but they end up starting just tearing each other up. Right. You know, yeah. I guess because she is from Europe. Am I right on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, so she was uncomfortable driving on the left side. Mm-hmm. So they actually had to like have a stunt driver, I think on the right side, like helping her out or whatnot. Yeah, I, I mean, read that too. Yeah. So there was that, but then at the very end, if you guys watch it, the two cars end up colliding and they're spinning with each other. Mm-hmm. What they did was, is they had like a 200 foot, um, I guess track where both cars were on, on kind of what I guess they, deemed as a turntable mm-hmm. connected and they were just spinning so if you look at it they don't show the bottom of the car but you can see the two cars spinning which yeah. the continuity is really questionable but that's how they have those two cars spinning all the way till the very end and it well, stops even from a physics standpoint yeah. like how, yeah. how both cars like together yeah. spinning because they were not together like they just collided <laughs> yeah. but now they're connected spinning yeah. like literally like together <laughs> guys know, but. it's the power of love <laughs> there you go <laughs> but um, it goes all the way to the edge but I thought this was impressive which I'll get into more mm-hmm. these these two actors did a lot of their own stunts, you know, but Thandie Newton, I guess, was hanging on the side of that car. I mean, yeah, she was she was held in like a cable. When she was hanging off the cliff? She the, well, she's holding onto the car door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. she that's really her doing oh, really? it, you know? Yeah, but oh, okay. I mean, she's like, you know, strapped. She, she, she's not going to fall, but that's really what happened. But I, I thought that was interesting, you know, but um, it makes sense now. When you watch that scene, which I've watched it, I've kind of pause it I think you can see the track a couple times you know? like they try to make whatever do you know but okay, I just think yeah. it's weird how they were going to actually have that just in a room like the whole yeah, scene and, and, and don't, oh, that'd be boring you know I wanted to like get more energy romantic you know like okay whatever dude um, we then go to Biosite you know the place so Tom Cruise is originally supposed to like jump off of another building into that building and that and he says now let's have like a shaft in the middle where he can just descend down from a helicopter. I, you I know? felt like they were paying a homage to the first one. I'm like, yeah. This is so, I saw it, I'm yeah, like, yeah, and this so is- like that literally happened. So what happened was they, you know, developed this building with a shaft, and the scenes that you see on top is an actual helicopter on top of some building, this and that. Um, when he's descending from a helicopter, what it is, they brought in a green screen, had all that stuff up with an actual helicopter, and then Tom Cruise would like jump off of that. But then they also had the same, I think it was the same stage, because this is all on a stage now. And then he literally would jump out of a green, like, rooftop into the same green screen mm-hmm. going down and would repel not rep- is that how you say it I mean is he repelling because the way he does that I don't know how is he jumping he's yeah. jumping and that's when he holds that but he's going down 30 Descend- feet oh no that's it's- not repelling yeah. so what, what would that Descending. be called he's- ascending he's- I guess ascending, yeah yeah ascending. and he goes down to where he and for 30 feet and he's like literally going within like a foot of that camera that you see mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of impressive you know because he literally did it a couple times like it's him doing it you know and Again, he's always the one doing these stunts, you know, but I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I mean, as long as he puts the, the spare change in his boots, he'll be fine, right? He didn't have to do that on this one. He did not have to do that, you know. I think we need to move forward. We need to get to the end scene, you know, where you have the motorcycles and all that oh, stuff. Oh, the motorcycle okay? yeah. duels. Um, before we get, I, I, I got to laugh about this. Before we get to the motorcycle scene, he basically shows in a way Ambrose, you know, like, hey, I'm here, right? How does he do it? Uh, with the flames. The flame, okay. Yeah. So this the is dub. a big dub. deal. I watched a little, like, documentary on this, and uh, 
they have like that door with just flames on, you know, and they want Tom Cruise to walk past. Well, when you have a character, I guess, on fire, they have to have the gel on. I'm not yeah. big. You want to see Tom Cruise's face. You know, he's the superstar, bam, and he wants to walk by, which is like, really? What did you say about John Woo films? This movie has every sort of... It has every John Woo-ism in it. And it really is. So, so anyways... They told Tom Cruise, okay, you're going to walk by. You got to keep this distance, but we can't put gel on you because, you know. And so they literally gave him specific instructions like, hey, you feel any heat, back the fuck up. You know, like, we, like, don't take any chances. So, so he literally did that, you Why know. Why couldn't they just CGI the flames? They actually had to use real flames. It, it's, it's John Wooism. I don't know. John, <laughs> Dude, John, it's, no so, no, it's really, boring. there's really flames there, and Tom Cruise walking by. The dove, the dove is not real. Okay, okay. the dove is CGI. Oh, okay. Okay. So we get CGI real. dove, but okay. the flames got to be real. But oh the majestic light on it and everything. The dove. <laughs> now I gotta look at this uh, if I can find it. Hold on, hold on, hold you on. Backstory on the dove. Like, yeah, the dove is because this is called the firewalk scene. <laughs> literally, that's what it's called. And uh, he wanted this to be crucial because the dove is like supposed to represent like good is Aww. coming to defeat the evil. Yeah. That's why it's a white yes. dove. It's just like really <laughs> like what the hell just happened you know but is this seem kind of random like it's no this is literally like this is literally what like, like goes on you do, know? You, do you know another John Woo movie I mean maybe Kerwin and Dominic Face no. Off yes There's, they use it yeah. they also have the ocean <laughs> yeah the yeah. final fights on yeah. a beach yeah, or near exactly. the ocean hard yeah. target but yeah it, it, he wanted to show that the, the good has arrived obviously the bird is CGI you know so that domino infects into the motorcycle sequence you know like mm-hmm. Which, it was supposed to be cars at first. Do you know that? Yeah, it's supposed right. to be cars. <laughs> Tom Cruise likes motorcycles, likes going fast. He said, well, it's mono, imano. I'm going to say this a couple times because that's what they keep on using. But that's why they went with motorcycles then. Whatever, you know. Um, they literally go into a couple things. The first part that you see, though, is when Tom Cruise is going through that bridge when he needs help. Yeah. So they had like... <laughs> I'm not making this up. I think you guys look at it like I'm making this up. Hold on. I got, I got to look at this real quick. But it was like something about like the fire. like through. Yeah, so they had the flames going. And yes. I think that's what you're talking about. But typically, again, kind of talking about what stuntmen wear. It's like a fire retardant suit. Mm-hmm. And then they go through that stuff. But Tom Cruise didn't. So this is one of the main, uh, sorry, one of the scenes where he wanted to do this like legit. And yeah. John was like, you're freaking me out, man. He, because he's like a producer. He's like, yeah. I'm doing what I want to do. Yeah. And he wanted to go through these with, flames. With nothing, yeah. with nothing on, and no protection. They literally had flames, like they can control the height of the flame and all that stuff. And he says, all right, I'm going through. And yeah. it like, it just gave John Woo just like fear. Like what the fuck is going on right now? But that's why you literally see him come through on a motorcycle, all that, you know? It's a pretty epic scene. There's a part where then he goes up on the front wheelie yeah. Do you know how, is it him or is it a stunt up? I could not figure this out. I couldn't see if it was him or not. I just know that that's called a stoppy. I was looking it up. Yeah. Like that's where they, they go up on the front wheel. Mm-hmm. So there's ones where like some motorcyclists will go for a little bit. But if, I mean, in the movie, he goes up for a while and then turns around and also is one handed because he's pulling out a gun. Yes. So I watched a whole video about learning how to do a correct stoppy. And it's like, you have to like squeeze the tank with your legs. It's very difficult. Very <laughs> difficult. You have to like lock your arms and you have to have both hands on there. And it's like, they say to go like 30 to 40 miles an hour and you have to like kind of pump the brake and then and then hit it hard. And then you, you feel it pop up the front brake. He stresses not to take either hand off. 
And in none of the training video do they spin around or pull out a gun with one hand. So I couldn't find if it was a stuntman or Tom Cruise, but this scene's pretty epic and that's that's I, I love this scene. I know impossible. it's over the top, but I think it's really good. So yeah. do you think it's impossible to do? <laughs> Insert drums. Uh, <laughs> the first one. I don't know what to do. It certainly wasn't in the crew. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> keep going. So he does this impossible stunt, okay? <laughs> With one handed, by the way, you know? Yeah. And what happened was then you see a car where he's firing at the gas tank and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. And then the car just explodes and starts going. But that's legit, the, the angle that they had and all that stuff. I guess the stunt driver in that car was told to, hey, what you're going to do is, you, it's called a cannon roll, is what they described it as. He's going to lose control by spinning. Then he has the ability to hit a button and something of like a pole will then like with pressure. Oh, it's like, like a, it's probably like a pneumatic piston yes. or something. And we'll like do it toward that it, it, it goes vertical or just starts spinning. You know what I mean? So you see it spinning and then he hits that thing, when, which basically is when Tom Cruise is supposed to be blowing up the, the gas tank and it, it allows that car to start spinning. Like you see that. It's a great shot though. Like you hit, you see the back of Tom Cruise. I, mean, I, I think it's a great scene. I really enjoyed it, but that's the, uh, the extent of that. But and then you get into more, even better parts of this motorcycle chase, but keep going. No, no, there, there was one thing I saw though, like they're on street bikes, like they're not yes. on dirt bikes, mm-hmm. but it's weird because there's a scene where like Tom Cruise comes to a stop and then he, he takes off again when Sean is like pulling up, but you see the tire and it's a street tire. Mm-hmm. But then I'm not trying to get ahead of you mugs, but they get to like the beach or the dirt area before yeah. the beach. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's another scene where they hyper-focus on the tires again. And, and it's they're like, not street anymore. it's a dirt bike tire. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah. really? Oh, I missed that. Well, no, watch, you, watch it. it. It's it's very visible. Yeah, and you because yeah. you can't ride a street tire in the sand. Like it's not gonna. It's just because no. they're slicks almost. Yeah. Like you would have on a car. Like yeah. you have to have like those almost like a like a mudder type tire well, on that's there. A, that's a movie error. Then that, yeah, I didn't catch that. Um, speaking of street tires, so while they're on the street at one point, Tom Cruise because he's not in a car, he does not have much. I guess protection you know like he's out in the open and he realizes that they have guns and he's got to find a way to like hide himself so he does what they call asphalt skiing (laughs) that's what they determine the scene is he's literally got to jump over the okay anyways the way they did this they towed the bike from a tow truck okay and then they also had on the tow truck the crane where Tom Cruise was straddled, you know. So he wasn't going to fall, but he still is doing these stunts. I guess he did it a couple times, too, but I couldn't find anything. He had to have something on the bottom of his shoes. Because he had allowed- sparks, didn't he? Yes, yeah. it, it, it sparks, and he's allowed to slide. But it is literally Tom Cruise jumping off, you know, on there. Here's my thing, though. After I read this, I went back and watched the scene, okay? Mm-hmm. There's angles where it's just them, you know, on the front side of Tom Cruise. So you get the face, you see him doing what he's doing, it's impressive, whatever. They also have shots, though, behind. There's no way they CGI'd out the whole tow truck. Like, did they, like... Or is it like a really? I I couldn't figure this out. Like, I I don't well, know how. Was any they, of that scene green screen? Because I figured no, like no. Well, well the front of it is not. Okay. They are taking out the cables that is attached to Tom Cruise. Yeah. But they but then they have a shot behind. But I'm like, how the hell did they do that? Like, they probably they probably rotoscope that out. Honestly, you think so? I think so. But it's, but it, it it really is Tom Cruise jumping off, and he did it a couple times like doing it, and then jumping back on, and it, because that's you see his face, everything. I have more respect for the actor the more and more I research this guy, you know. I but think this was like whatever. the first movie where I started hearing Tom Cruise like does his own stunts and like 
Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're like, right. He, he had, Which he had like I'll get to belt. the rock climbing thing. That's yeah. a whole other segment. I mean, we might need to do whatever. Um, but then we get into the infamous joust. Okay, that's what yes. they call it, the joust. Oh, joust man. on bikes. And what he wanted to do was do this whole knights jousting kind of scene, this and that. And with Sean Ambrose, Ethan Hunt, bam, and they needed to stop and stare each other at the face, this and that, and then just go, you know, and that's when they have dirt bike tires. Yeah, now. that's when you really see it is <laughs> yeah. at that part, yeah. Um, the way they did this, because they wanted to do it to where, like, they go at each other, then they, you know... They, he, John Woo said, I wanted to a point where, hey, they just hate each other and they're willing to do anything they want to just kill each other, you know? So you see them go after each other, right? And then they jump up. He didn't want the guns or anything that they wanted to jump up. And as they hit, you know, then the bikes are gone and now it's a fight, which we'll get into because I also have that whole fight sequence. They had cranes, I think two each, right? No, sorry, not two each, uh, one each, right? for both of the actors and they had two cables to each of the actors and one was for them to jump off and it would accelerate them into the air okay because mm-hmm. that's what they wanted to see and you can clearly see hey that's not natural the way you guys jump at each other yeah, yeah. they also had another cable that would decelerate them so they wouldn't hit each other so fast at impact and that's yeah. why you see what you see is them jumping off the bike and then bam falling 30 yeah. feet after that to some beach yeah. which does make no sense whatsoever it you doesn't. know but it's like kind of cool Tom Cruise literally did this, okay? I could not find out if it was... Who's the guy that plays Sean Ambrose? Duggery Scott. Did anyone research that? Because I, I don't know if it was him or a stunt double. But uh, but yeah, they, they literally are jumping off with wires, one to spring them up and the other one to slow them down as they hit each other and then go. And then they get into the fight scene, which <laughs> is amazing, right? I mean, it's so amazing. Yeah. It's- uh, what John Woo wanted this to be like, as well as Tom Cruise, is a quote-unquote Bruce Lee type of fight. Did you guys read that? You know, yeah. John really likes Bruce yeah. Lee. Yeah. So Wait, really like Bruce Lee. Like, they didn't want guns. They didn't want, they wanted to just, again, mano y mano. Okay. So they go at it. I guess the, the, the guys that were in charge of developing the sequence, like worked on this for three months. They would like go out there, hit each other, like fake, all that stuff, filming it. And they kept developing the scene. And even when they started shooting it, they even changed it even more and more. John Woo was actually like examining the way Cruz could like move and all, like do whatever he could. So he developed certain shots based on the way he moved. And that's why you see some of the things that like, hey, is he capable of doing this? Yada, yada, yada. Um, there's a lot of good kicks in this. Like if you guys see. Oh, there's a lot one, of kicks. Okay. So <laughs> the kick where he hits two, right? At the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two, bam. And then he twirls. That was Cruz's just like, hey, what if I just do this? And they do a 360 afterwards. They're like, well, let's try it. You know, and his athleticism, he does it. And they're like, look, cool. Okay, like, let's go ahead and do that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then the last kick they like had brought up where he does that like cartwheel thing or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he literally like actually kind of kicks uh, Sean Ambrose or the guy's character on, on accident. You can, I guess, kind of see it, but that you see like an actual reaction. Mm-hmm. But they said that Tom Cruise is so athletic, physique wise, all that stuff. They said, like, we were like, hey, can you do this? He's like, let me try it. And he would just do it. And, like, they said it made shooting this sequence or adjusting things a lot easier because he was so athletic and he didn't need a lot of practice. I mean, Kerwin, you know Star Wars. How many times have they got to go through those lightsaber scenes and all that? This, they said they didn't, they just would like, hey, are you, can you do this? And he'd be like, let me try. And they'd be like, yeah, you can do it. You know, like, and then that's why it developed. I think it's a great scene. It's I think that the motorcycle, scene, yes. it is what it is. I yeah. mean, you know, but this was very, very impressive. I mean, some of the kicks and all that, besides the wave crashing right in the middle of the scene, you know, whatever, <laughs> I, I think it's awesome. I like the gun part at the end. I don't know something about when oh, he when he good. when he kicks yeah. up the gun 
and grabs it grabs and then it air. Oh, I don't know then, why, but that like I thought that was so badass the first time I saw it. I was like, that was, how the fuck did he do that? That was yeah. so cool. So there's a pivotal part in this fight scene, right? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Where it Which stops one? like the whole fighting and you're like, whoa, what the hell just happened, you know? The knife. The knife. Okay. Oh, Does yes. anyone want to take yes. this over? Do you want me to take go, this? Go, go take the tell reins. Us, take us. the reins. <laughs> so <laughs> this is I'm not making this up, okay? And this is again, John Woo was like, I'm, I'm against this, you know, but Tom Cruise wanted this to be real because Sean Ambrose has a knife, right? Takes it out. Again, no guns. He wanted to be mano y mano and wanted to stab, you know, in the face of Ethan Hunt, this and that. Tom was like, well, it's got to go by my eye, you know, this and that close. He literally was like, it's got to be like a quarter or half an inch away. Yeah, a quarter of an inch, yeah. quarter of an inch away, okay? And then Tom was like, well, we got to do this real. And John was like, no, no, we'll get it. No, no, you get a real knife. And they <laughs> built some contraption, right? I'm like, what the hell am I like looking at reading? And I couldn't find any behind the scenes of them actually like showing it. But I guess there was some sort of like cable where it would only go a certain amount to Tom Cruise. Then it would stop and the actor had like the hand. I, I don't know. Like, did you read that? Yeah, I kept trying to read about it. And the way they describe it is very vague. But it's, it's, And they don't have any scenes of it. It's no, really I couldn't creepy. find a behind yeah. the scene of like how they did it. But it's like somehow Sean's doing it. The Sean yes. Ambrose character is doing it. And it's connected to some kind of cable. Yes. But it's measured so precisely that it only comes a quarter of an inch. So Tom Cruise also told... Uh, Dougery Scott to be violent with it like he wanted him to be like really into the scene I mean we're talking a quarter of an inch of a mess up and it's like Tom Cruise now has one eye like yeah. I it, it yeah. freaks me out Wu was like no no we're not doing this he goes no we're doing this like that's I'm what Tom Cruise said like, <laughs> it literally goes and it's a real knife it's not a fake one it's not a plastic one well hey Get some eye drops. No, it's a real fucking knife, dude. That could have just been CGI. No, it it, it could have been. No, like it they could've they could have made that. You know, the single shot where it shows yes. it like pausing away from his eye, the but close they up. All, that could have just been CGI. They also, they also talk about okay, his head's on the ground, right? Mm -hmm. He has to stay still. He can't like move, get up, because then you, you know. So he had to like be completely still while it went down. And basically, Tom was like, I'm okay with it. <laughs> it's just like, what? Like, Woo was like, no, like, I'm not okay with this, dude. Like, like, and it's... He's like, I make action movies for yeah. a living. Like, <laughs> It was a quarter of an inch or a half an inch. I mean, yeah, I, I guess it moves a little bit, which really freaks me out more. It's not steady. But. And I can't remember, does he blink or anything like that? No. Like, no. his eyes open no. the his whole time. And I'm open. like, holy crap. Because, like, when open. you watch this the first time or even the second time and you don't know this, it looks like... It could be CGI, like, and I assumed it was until I read this, and it's like it's insane. Or it could have been a fake knife. I, I don't yeah. understand the importance <laughs> of doing I this. It was a fake you know? knife, yeah. No, it's not. It's, it's a definitely real. Knife. real. Wow. That kind of solidifies the majority of the stunt scenes. Not the best, you know, stunt scene of the whole thing, which is the rock climbing scene, right? I mean, so just to throw this out there, this was um, filmed at Dead Horse Point in Utah, mm -hmm. um, fifteen minutes southwest of. I think it's Moab. Do you guys, is that how you say it? M-O-A-B, I think, I city. Think so. Roughly around 5,000 people, which also right around there had the final scene for Thelma and Louise. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but what they did was they brought in a guy named Ron, I think it's Kauk, K-A-U-K. Is that how you say his name? <laughs> I think that's how you say his name. I don't want to be like a dick right now, but Kauk. <laughs> See what I did there? But... He was a professional climber, okay, and they thought that he would come in, and he does kind of looks like Tom Cruise. He really does, you know. Mm -hmm. He's got the long black hair at the time, mm -hmm. this and that. Um, they thought he would come in and for the long shots do that, but he's a professional climber. So he was teaching Tom Cruise how to do certain holds and all that stuff. Because of that, 
basically it was Tom Cruise doing all of it then. Like this guy did nothing. Like he just yeah. taught. He was like his teacher. And so when you see that opening scene of that zoom in on that mountain, that was a helicopter going all the way in on Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like 2,000 feet up, right? Yeah. Yes. Now, Tom Cruise did have a cable on him, so he was safe in a sense, but it's one little cable. I mean, things can go wrong. Oh, so he wasn't free soloing. No, he wasn't free soloing. No, no, no. <laughs> um, but uh, this was literally like a nightmare for not only Wu, but the rest of like the people like doing this movie. Mm-hmm. They said they hate, they were all like, you shouldn't do this. And he insisted, no, I'm doing these scenes. I read that they had five cameras up top as well as the helicopter cameras, what you can see. Mm-hmm. So you see a lot of scenes that are looking down on him because that's where you're getting that at, the cranes and all that stuff. There was one angle that I think someone might have been climbing right next to it. You know, it's what it looked like. But they do have a lot of the helicopter coming up close. And I guess John Woo is like freaking out because he says, not only you have Tom Cruise, superstar on the side of this mountain, right? You have this helicopter that's trying to get close and the helicopter plane is like right next to like his head. And he goes, oh, he's freaking me out. You know, it's like, I didn't want to do this at all. Well, I think John Woo even like, can, can we just use a net? Like, yeah. can we have a net? And, and Tom Cruise is like, no, I just want the harness and the cable yeah. and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And so they had on the storyboard the whole Iron Cross scene where he does all that. It's pivotal, I think, for Ethan Hunt's character because it shows, hey, you're almost in trouble. Like, this is what you do for fun. He does that Iron Cross. Then he kind of smiles and it just shows you, hey, this guy's just different than us. You know, he's like yeah. at a different percentage, you know. What he does um, on holiday. <laughs> yeah, they do all that. But basically, that is Tom Cruise up on that mountain not the stunt guy that they brought in to do the scenes. It's literally him that was taught by that guy. I thought that was very impressive. The famous part of that scene is when he has to jump. Do you guys remember when he has to jump from one side of the cliff to the other? He literally did this seven times. Seven times. Like, he did that. Now, he is being safe, I guess. He's got, he's attached to that cable and so on. Apparently, somehow, he hurt his shoulder on one of the jumps. I don't understand how that happened. But, uh, to sum it up, if you guys want to chime in on this part, feel free to, but Tom Cruise has said that on this movie, that was the most fun that he had filming that scene. John Woo said, this is the most, I guess, harrowing of his career to ever film. Like he said, he hated (laughs) filming this scene. I remember seeing this movie in theaters when I went to see it and you kind of hear about it. I was told that this was the last scene filmed for this movie because they wanted, Tom Cruise insisted that he did his own. And so they wanted to have everything done first. So if anything happened, they could just obviously put the movie out. I could not find that as far as like the actual truth. I didn't read that. So I don't know if that's true or not. I but mean, it would make sense logically. It would like, make sense, but I, I could not find that well, anywhere. Well, I even searched it. I, mean, yeah. I would think that they did it last year because imagine if they did it first and you said he got hurt. That yeah. would have delayed. It, well, he, he got hurt and did delay, but I could not find that this was the last scene filmed after everything else. I, I but, couldn't find But that. I also read that this scene wasn't even going to exist in the movie. Oh, really? When he gets to the top and then he, he gets the little missile thing shot down to him which we'll get into we'll later talk about that, with, yeah. the, with the sunglasses and then again he tosses sunglasses and then it goes into the opening credits what they wanted to do this scene didn't exist they were going to just do from the plane and then it go into the opening credits they weren't going to include this tom cruise wanted to do this he thought it'd make the opening way more badass way more epic and so he wanted I, to have the scene in here i think it changes ethan hunt's character through the whole franchise yeah this scene alone I, I really do. I think know? from one to two, yeah. yeah, huge. Yeah. 
huge. I think it changes his character. What I mean, what do you, we got to talk about this scene? What no, do you I agree. Think I agree. Scene? I think yeah. this kind of like what you said. It kind of sets the precedent for all the movies moving forward. Yeah. Uh, I've only seen three once, so I can't remember a lot about it. But you know, since this movie, uh, he has done like one huge stunt every single Mission Impossible. And I like that you say that. So you go down through the IMF, um, no, sorry, CIA uh, break-in of that room. So there's that. Then you have this scene, right? Mm -hmm. Number three doesn't really have a famous scene. I guess the one on the bridge with the the plane and he gets thrown against. Jumping off the the building. There's the one where they're, the three is where they have to get You think that's the famous one? He's have to jump from the roof. I I thought the plane scene more, where there's a bomb and he gets thrown against the car. I thought that was that scene. Oh, when he's on the bridge and they shoot yeah. The oh yeah, the, whole, but, the whole bridge. Yeah, the bridge yeah, too. But yeah, the other one where he's on that building in Dubai, you know, yeah. and, and then obviously the other one he's on the side of the plane. I haven't seen the most recent one, yeah. but no, you're right. This is the famous scene of the stunt that he does on he this, one. this one. He scales up a building. In Fallout, he, he's on the side of a, no, of, no, a, of, a, of, a of a of a rock, right, climbing at no, one oh, point. In Fallout, he's oh he's hanging from a helicopter and he falls from the helicopter. <laughs> he falls from the helicopter and he lands on the cargo that the helicopter is like hauling. And people, uh, people on the ground thought like, "Oh snap, we lost Tom Cruise." Mm-hmm. But like, he was alive and he was doing his own stunts while the helicopter's flying in the air and yeah. jumping off shit Jesus. and everything. So you can it's say, crazy. yeah, every Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise is doing some crazy yeah. stunt. I, well, I, I heard he doesn't sign on to a movie unless you give him, I guess, the free will to like, hey, if I want to do the own stunt, I'm going to do it. I mean, yeah. that's what I was reading too, which. Brings me on all these stunts. He's the one doing this. Like, it's yeah. not acting. It's not stunt doubles. I think people are, are there to help him, guide him. Hey, this is what you got to do, this and that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's very impressive that he's the one, like, actually doing all these things. I mean, what actor, I mean, will do this? I, 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 don't, I don't know. Like, Jack, I mean, Jackie Chan. Chan <laughs> Jackie Chan. Tony Jaw. Okay, but then. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think when you talk yeah. about willing to put their body at risk. Yeah. And kind of doing it over and over and over. I think Jackie Chan's probably like the perfect example because even movies that are light on his action alone, he'll still get hurt. Like if you watch the behind the scenes on Rush Hour and all that other stuff, you can see him get hurt and do all this crazy stuff. I can only imagine the torture he put himself through doing what is it police story every every bone in his body yeah like you when you watch those like classic jackie chan movies the the hong kong flicks the chinese flicks like those movies are insane compared to what we got over here in the u.s so i think tom cruise is putting himself up there with jackie chan in terms of what he's willing to go through for the film pretty impressive all right so let's get into our experience with the film Bling, why don't you tell us your experience with Mission Impossible 2? So, so Mission Impossible 2, I actually was working at Best Buy at the time. So I ended up buying the Mission Impossible 1 and 2 DVDs. I didn't see it in theater, so um, took it home and watched the movie. Um, when I saw it, I, I actually fell asleep through it because at the beginning of the film, like Mugga mentioned, it's kind of slow. Like the, the first hour, technically, there's yeah, nothing there's, really there's not going any real on. not action, yeah. but um, when it kicked into action near the tail end, I enjoyed the film. Like I said, it was a definitely different from the first one. Um, the plot was actually understandable, so... <laughs> it's that simple. Yeah, it's that simple, <laughs> yes. But even after the film ended, and I was like, okay, that was you know great action, but I don't know, the pacing was a little off. Um, it kind of left me like not wanting to see any more films, and I think that's why even... You know, when the third one came out, like I didn't see that one right away. I waited till that was out in Blu-ray yep. or sorry, DVD, and then you know, when I got to watching that film, I could see, wow, it really changed from the second one. So, um, I, like I said, I did enjoy the second one, but after I watched it, it took me a while to get back to the Mission Impossible franchise. 
Mugga, why don't you tell us about your experience with Mission Impossible 2? So, this is kind of embarrassing. Um, well, I guess not embarrassing, but I was a senior in high school when this came out, you know, and I'm old as fuck. <laughs> That's embarrassing. That's the embarrassing part. No. I think I was in eighth grade when this yeah. came out. So. Yeah. But uh, yeah. um, <laughs> AP stats class, a girl liked, I will leave her nameless. She was like, oh my God, have you seen the new Mission Impossible? When we've already done Mission Impossible 1, I wasn't a big fan, so I didn't have any ambition to go watch this. And she was like, you have to go watch this. The girl in there is gorgeous. And I really liked this girl that was in my AP stats class. So I literally went with friends to go watch this. So I could say to her, yeah, I watched the movie, you know. And that's why I actually went to theaters, you know. And then I had the whole, like, I mean, she's hot. Like, Naya Nordoff Hall is gorgeous in this movie, you know. Um, But then I never really touched it because I think maybe I was like, whatever. I mean, I wasn't into movies as much as I am now. But then my other experience, though, like, I was like, hey, this is, like, where I really like this movie. Uh, my first time ever moving out, I had a roommate who was, remember those DVD clubs that you guys, not you guys, but people used to have where you, you sign up and you like to get like a DVD every month and you get like Netflix. Netflix. The first, no, no, it was before Netflix and all that stuff. It's, yeah, I'm old. I told you. <laughs> like, oh. uh, and like literally, like if you sign up, you get like five DVDs for a cent. They have to pay like full price for like oh, another. Oh, I know what you're talking remember about. Remember those? You, th- you, yeah, okay. You used to have those when so you were like music. Brian, yes. Bling, Brian McKernan, right, when I lived with him yeah. and all that. He was on it, and he would, like, get random movies because he would never, like, choose. So they would send him stuff. Yeah. They sent him Mission Impossible 2, you know? Okay. And so we got that. So my first time living on my own in this apartment, we had our surround sound, big screen TV. Mm-hmm. And I, he had this movie, and for some reason, I don't know, I loved it. We watched it all the time. And I felt like, mm-hmm. I was like, this movie's great, you know? Like, sound, I, I don't know. Maybe it, like age kind of good I guess but mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it but yeah I, I kind of have two experiences I watched it one time to impress a girl even though it had nothing to do to impress her because she just said go watch it um, but yeah my first time living on my own this was like looping at my apartment at the time mm-hmm. did you ever go to that apartment bling yes I did yeah, yeah and, was... and we watched MI2 all the time it was it was great but, I, yeah, but so yeah I mean to kind of piggyback on you I think the first time around you're, it was like eh it's like it's good but it's like eh. yeah and then the second time around I, th- I actually liked it oh yeah I, 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 yeah, I watched. It, it felt like it was a different experience altogether so yeah for the second but yeah time. that's my experience watching this all right so Dominic what's your experience with MI2 I can't exactly um, remember the the time that I watched it. I remember probably did see it in theaters, and I remember enjoying it the first time. But as far as like taking away like a grand experience, it was probably just like going with my parents at the time. So you know, 2000, I was what 12 years old. That's really all I got from it. Is just, I enjoyed the action films. So it's like straight off the back of like you know the Matrix has come out, and it's like. Um, Mission Impossible had like similar like action styles as far as like the leather and like throwing out martial arts in there and stuff. So it's kind of popular, but yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> enjoyed it. Okay. <laughs> All right, Jason, what's your experience with MI two? Uh, so I actually saw this movie in theaters too. So um, I remember it was like it was the thing like every weekend my dad would take my sister and I to good old Cinema Star of Alessandro. Uh, I think technically it's in Riverside, but it's really close to Reno Valley and uh, do the whole popcorn, soda, the whole deal, like, movie experience. I remember watching it and, like, wasn't sure if I was going to like it at first because I remember the first one and being younger, like, I I remember the first one's a little slower. There were some cool action scenes, but this one, I just felt like it took a completely different turn. And, like... uh, Good or or bad way? I mean, I think different good. Yeah. Um, I think... 
I was going to say earlier was like you, you see the first one and it's more of a spy movie. It's 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 strictly that. This one was more of an action movie. He's a little more loose, I guess, with his character yeah. as opposed yeah. to being so like efficient Ethan Hunt in the first one. So I was kind of curious what this was going to be like. I remember seeing the trailers and kind of being like, oh, this looks like a different movie. And so I was kind of excited when my dad suggested we go watch this and I know I had a good time. I don't know about my sister, but uh, <laughs> but I remember um, once the movie came out on DVD, like definitely got it. And I remember we watched this movie frequently. So whether it was mostly at my dad's house, again, big screen TV, yeah, got it, the surround sound. And it's just like, yeah, I know at first it's a little slower. I don't know. But that rock climbing scene really got me into it. I, I think instantly I'm like, oh, my God, this is badass. Yeah. And then towards the end with all the action, again, kind of watching it not only in the theater, but then at home with that surround sound, it's just something that's like, dude, this is like a completely different franchise from the first one, I yeah. felt like. It took a completely different turn. So I, I remember thoroughly enjoying it. I watched it again this week, and I mean, some of the stunts are a little over the top, but for the most part, um, I like this movie. So. Yeah. What about you, Kerwin? How was your experience? I remember renting this movie uh, from Hollywood Video. I think I must have been in like seventh or eighth grade when this came out. God, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember I remember renting this movie from Hollywood Video. Uh, one of my friends, uh, we used to watch this all the time, or part one all the time back in elementary school. So when this came out, uh, I made sure to, to go ahead and rent it. I, I've only seen it, I think, once when we rented it, and then again maybe on TV much later. But the things that stick out to me were definitely the rock climbing scene. I do remember that. And the one thing I took away from this movie was the last fight on the beach like i vividly remember that as like a preteen like watching the two guys jump off the bikes and grab each other it's very well done though huh i mean yeah besides some hey you jump off bikes and land 30 feet down a cliff like and then you guys just beat each other up. no other than that it's pretty well done right yeah. that end scene and i remember i remember the doves i <laughs> like when i was a kid yo when i was a kid i had no idea who john woo was or what movies he did but i i vividly remember tom cruise dressed like kim possible and there's like doves everywhere yeah but that's uh and then yeah for this episode watch it on amazon and uh yeah so that's my so experience be, to piggyback off what he just said I don't own Face Off. I like it. I don't own it. And I need to buy this movie or have it somewhere where I can like watch it on my own. It was on TV this last week, right? On TBS or whatever. I, and I just, I put it on end scene. It's comical how like almost carbon copy it is to the end fight scene of like this movie because you have the beach crashing waves doves coming in slow motion you know you're like what this is mi2 right now you know it's the same shit but whatever all right so bling give us your trash or treasure for mi2 okay so some of my treasures i love the score and soundtrack it kind of fit the pace of the action it was just right on cue. I don't know if that was the direction that John Woo wanted to go with it, um, but it was, you know, it just really fit. The music throughout the throughout all the action scenes just really fit. The fight scene, compared to all the other films, this is probably the, the only Mission Impossible movie where they have an extended fight scene with the actual main villain. Usually the other films, you know, they have a short fight scene and then the villain gets killed or whatnot. But this one... This was an extended from the start of the motorcycle scene to them like facing off in the joust and then actually fighting hand to hand. I love that they actually you know gave screen time for, between you mano know, e mano. It's the best villain <laughs> against Ethan Hunt, right? Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, 
Um, other treasures, Tandy Newton, because she's, she's just hot in this film. She's, oh, she's so ripe, gorgeous, 20, dude. 20 year old actress. I mean, she's hot in this film. Ripe. Yeah. <laughs> ripe. Jesus. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Calm your tits. We gotta edit this out. Um, Check it out. And, 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 and so, I mean. <laughs> yep. So that's my word, ripe. Right. Right. Uh, so yeah. So I mean, this film, like, so, and, and compared to the previous film, like, say, and you, you guys heard the podcast. It's I mean, a new catch you gave five dollars for the first one. Yes. Right. Um, this one here, like I said, it was like I said, I, I like how they they simplify the plot. It was easy to understand. Definitely higher marks than compared to the previous film. Um, right. My trash for this film is you can see some of the the John Woo esque style of filmmaking because I mean they overdo the the slow motion the slow motion the jumping and flipping by Tom Cruise and it's just excessive I'm just like oh my god and then the kicks so Tom Cruise I started to count like how many kicks he was doing it it's a lot of kicks <laughs> um for this film uh when the motorcycle scene um this is a big uh cinema sin I guess per se um the gun he was like just letting off all these rounds like how many bolts does this gun hold this is it's just you know excessive like he doesn't reload at any point he just keeps shooting like this must be the the highest capacity handgun I've ever seen he's so. got that extendo man <laughs> so you're saying it's impossible <laughs> not difficult but impossible um um, other thing is yeah, it, the pacing was a little off like I said it, you know, the first time I saw this I did fall asleep because it was kind of slow the first half of the film but then when it got into the action it really kicked it in high gear it was non-stop action for like the last hour of the film oh one other thing just the overuse of the, the mask I know the mask thing is a staple in the Mission Impossible franchise but I felt in this film it was like okay you know Sean Ambrose he uses Ethan Hunt's mask like twice you know Ethan Hunt uses the mask like twice as well it just felt like he, it was an excessive tool that they kept on using the film and just, you really you didn't uh, I, I felt, I I felt just, like it wasn't used enough <laughs> I feel like they could have used it more yeah I, I like I, it I, I, based, based on the themes of the of movie you would think yeah. they would based yeah. on the themes of the movie I'll, I'll wait till mine but yeah I, I felt it was excessive especially the last part where he like he you know tapes up Stamps mouth and he puts I guess his face on him and he drags him into the room I'm yeah, like that was clever like you had enough time to do that like you just got like you just threw a grenade and blew Dude, up it was the best <laughs> ending though and he starts walking out oh man so yeah but that, yeah that's my trash and treasure film like I said definitely like I said this film did have higher marks than compared with the previous film alright Muggs what about your trash or treasure my trash is here's some good action scenes now let's write a movie around it I, I, I don't <laughs> like that you know like they did it for the first one because I thought the storyline was better than the first one, but it, I come to find out they did, they did the exact same thing. This is going to look cool. Right? This is going to look cool. Let's go ahead and go. So I, I really, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's about all I got. I'm going to get into my treasures now because <laughs> I really like this. You know, like I, wow, okay, yeah. Um, I I disagree with you, Bling, on the whole face mask. I love how the first one they show you that they have the capability of using the mask mm-hmm. on this one you see how they can get the voices going you know mm-hmm. when you get to number three you see how they make the make voices them, yeah, and yeah, they yeah, make the faces yeah. so I, I, I love that um, I know it's not a lot of action sequence for the first hour mm-hmm. you know whatever but I really 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 I'm going I'm to specify it's really really really, really, really love like 16 really love, you love said right the horse racing scene 
Like, I know there's no gun going off. There's no, like, fighting going on. But it's a spy movie, you know? And, like, what? Like, no punches thrown, no gun. And it's, like, it's so intense where she's got to get what he's in the left jacket pocket because we know it's in the left jacket pocket. Confirmed. Yeah, confirmed. Confirmed left jacket. And and then, then they go and then, like, Ethan has to meet her and then, like, they have... The Sean Ambrose's guy. I mean, I, I think that was so fucking cool, dude. I, I, I don't know. I really, I really do like that scene a lot. I think it's intense. Yet it, I don't know where I'm going with this. I mean, it's it's just not your normal like holy shit what's about to happen. But it's like it's really great, you know. The rock climbing scene. I think it changes the direction of the whole franchise. I think that you see Ethan Hunt in a different aspect. He's just carefree. Like I live my life a little differently than. All of you normal people, I'm a spy, and look what I'm capable of. Yeah, I think two things it does. Yeah. It's like it, it's an attention grabber from the yes, get go, right away. But then it know? also changes your mindset about the character because yes. you're like you see him yes. again, as I said earlier, efficient Ethan Hunt, and now yeah. he's you know he's a little um, more carefree. I really do like this movie. I don't know, I really do. I don't, but that's uh, that's my treasure. All right, Dominic, what's your trashy treasure? I'll go into my treasures. Uh, I definitely appreciated the clearer plot and how I could understand the story a little bit better from what the first one was. Um, it's that simple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I like. Uh, <laughs> I wrote Tom Cruise's hair because I thought it. <laughs> there, someone had to bring it up. Someone had to bring it up. I was like, every shot, you just look pretty to me. I was like, damn. <laughs> It's like if they just muted out all the background music and just like had like a Pantene like bottle in there <laughs> and it's like there was some music on you'd just be like, damn, that's like I would buy that shampoo. Like <laughs> his hair is just it's like flawless. Eye marks <laughs> for the hair, yes. I wasn't gonna bring it up. I was, I, I was hoping Jason's physique little like area uh, would have yeah, yeah. I was like, Yeah, no, his hair is spot on, dude. It's like, <laughs> even in the slow-mo shots, like when they're eye fucking each other, like the first time you see each other. They have like an intense eye fuck session, like and then like he looks all dazed and confused, but it's just like his hair is just like <laughs> He did the whole <laughs> It's just magical. It's just like wow, like he looks really pretty right now. Like, like pause, pause. <laughs> let's get let's get that straight. Like, I need a beer. <laughs> you look real pretty right now. But yeah, I threw that in there. Tom Cruise's hair looked really great. So, but. Um, the use of masks, I thought it was a good thing. Um, how he switched it with the villain's henchman yes. at the end, I thought that was pretty clever. And it shows like they can use Ethan Hunt and show him his villainous side. I guess not the villainous side, but you know what I mean. Like the IMF, they're known for using the mask, and it just shows how they can be used against him as well. Yeah. I so like I thought that, that was too. pretty cool use of it. Um, Tom Cruise's athleticism, I was kind of surprised. Um, not surprised, but. I think you know, the word like, you're looking for is physique, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm not gonna say. This is the that's, that's that your we that's your that's your domain. I'm gonna leave that to you, man. You're like, just gonna talk about how pretty. He is. Yeah, I'll talk about his hair. I'll talk about how athletic. I, Dominic, he is. I think you kind of stepped it up a notch with that comment. I'm not gonna lie. It's a sequel. What are you gonna do? You, you yeah, like man. you start hey. talking about his hair, you get real like glazy eyed. You're like his hair is real pretty, right? <laughs> real nice and wet like. <laughs> If they had a shampoo, I'd buy that shampoo. <laughs> I was like, damn, what the hell is he using? 
Anyways, I was impressed with uh, uh, Tom Cruise's uh, martial arts. I was like, okay, I see you. I see you. I um, also thought Anthony Hopkins' lines were fucking the coldest lines ever. Like The one like, about the woman in bed. Uh, I put no dumb gadgets for this one because I feel like the first one had a lot of them, especially with the gum and what else did they use, like the pulley system just to support everybody. There was this one exception, the the first one where he has the, the fucking rocket launcher <laughs> and he like... Babe Ruth points it at Tom Cruise. He's like, all right, it's going there. <laughs> he, like, launches the shade. He's like, oh, shit, what's about to go down? And he just pulls out some fucking shades. I'm like, oh. really? <laughs> and he does that wait, laugh. Wait, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, when they shoot it and it lands, it's just like... <laughs> like, and then when, hey, he, when what he opens they just it up? shot a bomb at you, you yeah, know? Exactly. <laughs> I was like, okay, they're about to pull up on Tom Cruise. They got a grenade launcher. He's like, okay, <laughs> I'm ballparking it right here, bro. I'm telling you where it's gonna be. I thought all the gadgets were plausible, like as far as like what you would use in like that situation. So but it had a more real feel to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for the, I was like, okay, you could have just like dropped a note or something. I don't know. A little package on a parachute, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something. Send, send an email to like Job or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so now my cons. Um, trash, Dominic. Yeah, yeah my trash. trash. My trash. Correction. Trash. I felt like uh, after he swapped uh, mask with the the right hand henchman, what was his name? Hugh. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Stamp. Yeah. Stamp. Yeah. I felt like they they kind of gave the movie an excuse to kind of rip the Matrix because everything after that point was kind of like leather and sunglasses uh, and like motorcycles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like like eh, it kind of had like that Matrix esque feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the overuse of slow mo, I felt like that was yeah. way too much. Like I told you, the I fucking scene, like the when they're you know doing the ballet dance in the cars, and he just like goes into a slow motion shot. They're just like <laughs> staring at each other, and then just so guys, they just they just had I a high I, guys, they just had a high sex drive. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I just couldn't buy into it. I was just like, wow. Um, the romance between Tom and Daddy, I was like, this is way too intense, especially when she's trying to kill you in the car and you're just like, oh, this is so her, this is so us. Like, yeah, she just, <laughs> she just like rams her car, yeah. like just all of a sudden just driving all of a sudden. If you like, want me, you gotta damn. come and catch me. Like, okay, can, like, don't fuck up $80,000 cars. Right? You know? I was like, in a typical situation, you'd be like, this bitch is crazy. And he's just like, oh, yes. <laughs> He's pretty. He gets sprung really quick. Yeah, he's her, like, oh. yeah. It's pretty interesting. Did you guys feel awkward when the guy had like the cigar cutter? The cigar cutter. <laughs> yeah, that scene, like when he has him like bent over with his arm behind his back, and yeah. like he's just like hunched over him. Yeah. There's a very erotic scene. Yeah, yeah, it's like he's supposed to be in pain, but it sounds like he's like moaning. He's like, ah. <laughs> and and there's something like very uh, like phallic in nature about the whole like with the snipping of the cigar cutter mm-hmm. and then like his finger. The there's tip some, of his finger. Yeah, just the tip. Just even yeah. prior to that, just the way he would look at like what's going on, he's like, I don't know, I just got the creeps out. Yeah, and Doug Ray didn't even like, have the pretty hair. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, this is only me being Nick Picky, but the, the end fight scene, I felt like could have been better. But what I thought, I don't know. Oh, I thought it was a great fight. I no, like, I like the, the, the very last shot where they he got the gun and like you know oh, hit the yeah. ground and like shot him. But it's just like choreography was good in some parts, but then the other one they were just like just throwing punches. But those are my trash and treasures. All right, Jason, uh, what's your trash or treasure? All right, also off my trash. So in the first Mission Impossible, um, when they get their mission, it's on like a cassette tape. Yes. Mission Impossible one was '96, right? Yeah. Yes. So just four years later, now they're using sunglasses 
that have like HD video inside of it, like in these custom Oakleys. I just feel like the advancement in technology is like really, really fast. And like <laughs> there should have been like a like a, a mid a middle step between these two. Like a CD? Yeah, no, just... Technology moves fast. <laughs> well, it moves and number three, they use a portable camera. Like like they like went backwards and yeah, it's, like it's they, weird. they like jumped the gun real were, fast. Yeah. And then it's like, oh no, no, we got we gotta pump the brakes here a little bit. I just thought that was like kind of like a weird jump. Uh, the glasses exploding into the opening credits. I thought I, I wasn't a big fan of that. Uh, we kind of talked about it earlier was the narration of a lot of the scenes. So again, in the first one, I think a lot of people thought that it's hard to follow and they're not really saying a lot. They're, you got to really watch it a few times to get what's going on with mm-hmm. the plot. This one, it's like with the jacket pocket sequence yeah. or just a lot of the scenes, like when they're talking about what Chimera does and it's, it's, it's like they just narrate it to death so that we know exactly what's going on to the point where you made that comment about the quote where it's like it's that simple huh and yeah. it's like we get it like you're trying to like redeem yourself from the first movie it's just I feel like they overdo it personally so I like the horse race scene too I don't like it with 1200 reallys like it's not that really 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 good but it's like it's a cool scene but Tom Cruise is standing there just himself why can he wear a mask like if he would have just worn a mask, he's so mad. <laughs> if he would have just worn a mask, then there's no reason for him to be weird or yeah. be uh, afraid of being seen. There's masks in this movie, and that's what I was kind of talking about earlier. Like, yeah, they use them a lot, but I wish they would use them in this scene because it's like here it makes sense. Like, use the mask here too because then you could have blended in. No one would. Plus, the guy knows exactly who you are. I mean, yeah, yeah, because Sean Ambrose uses the Tom Cruise mask. Like, they know what he looks like, and it's like. This is the scene to just use a mask. It doesn't matter who it is. Just put a mask on, change your voice. It just would have been a lot smoother. They could incorporate the mask more. I don't know. Like you don't have, you don't build up that suspense where he can get caught. That's yeah. So yeah. I mean, it eliminates yeah. that. I understand yeah. that, but it's just like, just from I don't know, just a logical plot perspective. It's like if you would have just used the mask, then I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I get it though. It kind of takes away from that. I mean, if he has enough time to do it at the very end, for the guy that, like, <laughs> I mean, you could do it here. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's obviously a lot of playing that went into this horse yeah. race scene, so they they could have done that. Um, another trash uh, when they're at the uh, what is it like the I don't know how to how to say it, the virus factory. The biosite like when, facility. Yeah. When, he, when he drops in. Tell yeah. me, someone brought up Matrix. Did you bring up Matrix? Yeah. Tell me when you have Sean Ambrose and the screw coming up, that was not Matrix E. Yeah. Yeah. All right, continue. It, it, it's, I, I was I mean, focused. it's fresh off it. Yeah, Matrix came out in 99, yeah. so yeah. it's like, it, so, it influenced, I would say. That's interesting, but then when, when he goes to like destroy the virus, right. he takes an insane amount of time. Like yeah, he gets done it faster. This yeah. scene is, I think, seventeen minutes long. Like oh, really? the, when he's at Biosite, the whole scene. Well, yeah, he like scans the whole room. He's he, like, oh, yeah, hmm. and it's like then he has the time of like when he goes to kill, like destroy the last shot, and he's just sitting there looking oh, at yeah, it. He, he takes flashes his back, time, yes. and it's like, what are we doing, man? Doesn't he have like a flashback? He's like, no, fucker, he killed the virus. Yeah, yeah and it's just like he sits there for a long time. Like, I'm like twiddling my thumbs. Like, we're we gonna do it yet? Because like. Nah, it would have it would have made I don't agree with him taking his time at all. Your your spy get the job done. It would make more sense if he paused on the very last one. He never realized that the doctor injected himself to smuggle the virus until the second shot. But it's just like, no no no, like have him pause like on the third one, like mid third one, so that way he's just like, Oh fuck. Now I realize why he wanted to go 
to Atlanta or Georgia or whatever in 20 hours, it's because he smuggled the virus in him. Don't do it the second shot and then he still takes longer the third shot. Yeah. Like do it the last shot and then that's when the guys come in. Yeah, yeah it, it just takes too long. I feel like he's, I don't know. Yeah, no sense of urgency. Him, yeah. Like yeah. one of those bullet shit hit him. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. as much as they shot. Like. Yeah. And then my last trash is um, uh, before the motorcycle scene before. Uh, he infiltrates like the Ambrose layer right there. Mm-hmm. Um, how does he get to the island? No one knows. <laughs> He's and just all of a sudden on the side of it. Like, so there's security guards on imagine all around this island. Does he go on boat? Well, they probably saw him, bro. If he swam, why is his hair not wet? Like there's <laughs> lots of like. He's got that special shampoo. Definitely one. Quick dry. Yeah. <laughs> So I just, I didn't like, uh, all of a sudden, like, we just pant, and then now he's on the island. I don't know. I, I didn't like that. Um, they do kind of focus on the rock climbing again, which is kind of interesting, too. But uh, so for my my treasures, um, again, the rock climbing scene is really cool. Uh, the opening theft scene with, what's the girl's name again? Tandy Newton. Tandy Naya. Newton. Yeah. Naya, yeah. I thought the dancing, the, like, the, the noise, the way she infiltrates it, the way he's, like, some security, although it's kind of cheesy. Um, I think the scene's kind of cool. Dougie Scott as a villain, I thought he did a great job. Cinematography, some of the shots, even though they're kind of weird and misplaced, like with the, I think it's a sunset in Australia where like Tom Cruise walks out after like seeing Naya on the the locator, knowing what's going on, and it's like it, it's kind of it doesn't need it's not necessary, but it's a cool shot. So the infiltration on that island that I was talking about earlier, I mean, I was reading a review and it kind of makes sense. It's kind of like a Kind of goes back to the spy thing. Like he's kind of like infiltrating, trying to be quiet. It's kind of like a Metal Gear Solid. Mm. Kind of reminded me of that. Like kind of like trying to be quiet. And mm-hmm. I, I, don't know, I thought that part was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Motorcycle chase, however cheesy or weird, I, I liked it. Um, again, that stoppy thing is just so weird. Like yeah. when we were watching it, my dad, like my uncle used to ride motorcycles. He's like, you don't understand. With a bike that heavy, it's so hard to do something like that. After watching it, I mean, it's possible, but it, it it's, it's I mean, impressive. To, to add to that, I think this is also, this is the first Mission Impossible that had the motorcycle. Uh, he used a motorcycle, but then it also becomes a staple in future Mission Impossible scenes. It's almost like there's, I think there's two other films where there's a motorcycle scene with Tom Cruise. This last one did. Yeah, this last yeah, one I, had one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Five and six had yeah, motorcycle, motorcycle yeah. scenes. Wow. I think it's now it's. I mean, this was the first one that, where he introduced it, and then now it's become a staple in his other Mission Impossible movies. And then just two last treasures real quick. Just, again, the beach fight with the knife. I know the knife and the eye thing's kind of weird, but it's pretty cool knowing that he really did that. I think I appreciate that. That kind of turned from, like, a weird, unnecessary thing to kind of a treasure knowing that he really did that. And then the kicking of the gun. I don't know why. It's so cool. I just think it's, it's so cool. cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. me, like, I mean, so... 2000, I was in eighth grade, so I'm like, what, 13, 14 years old or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw that, and I was like, man, that is so freaking badass. And, and he I gives it. that look to everyone on the other side, like, hey, I'm in control. I got this, because he sees the gun. Doesn't he wink first? I, does he? Does he I, wink? He just gives a look like, hey, he like, I got he this. He winks at Luther, I, I think. Know, his hair is blown in the window. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I think it's funny, we were watching that, was it Cinema Sin or whatever yeah. it was? Mm. And they're like, this is the beach, just unveils everything you need. Because like the rock appears, oh, I need that rock. And I'm going to hit Sean and Rose or hit him in the head. And then it's like, the knife. And then it's like, oh, there's a gun, I need that too. <laughs> it's just like all these things, just the wind starts blowing the sand away. Oh, I, yeah, I need that too. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. But I thought that was hilarious the way they described it. But that's my trash and treasure. 
Kerwin, what's your trash or treasure for this film? Uh, my treasure, uh, Anthony Hopkins. I wish he had a bigger role in this movie. Right. When yeah. he's on screen. Or the series. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, series, keep too. keep the director and the mission commanders consistent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Anthony Hopkins, I, I wish he was in the movie more. Um, I like Luther. Ving Rams is back. That's cool. Um, as much as I hate the John Woo-isms, I I love them, man. Right? <laughs> like, it fits it's very 2000 esque. The doves, the black jackets, the sunglasses. Wave crashing. Waves crashing. The zoom in. Ho- zo- yeah, the zoom in. Slow motion. Slow motion. <laughs> what else? Uh, the two guns in, in each, a gun in each hand, all that other stuff. The firefights, the ballet of violence, as they call his style. <laughs> the ballet of violence. Um, so that was cool. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my treasure. Like, I, I dug how they took Mission Impossible kind of to the next level uh, with uh, Ethan Hunt, you know, climbing and doing all this crazy stuff to some degree. But I get into my trash with that. Not necessarily because it's trash, but it's just things I noticed. But yeah, that's uh, that's my, my treasure for the film. My um, trash with the film, I don't think that we spent enough time with Doug Ray Scott's character. I think... He's supposed to be, he's being presented as the anti-Ethan Hunt, you know, like the, the bad version of Ethan Hunt. And we get a lot of uh, symbolism with that. Maybe not symbolism, but direct representation with that when he takes off the mask at the beginning, when he's dressed as Tom Cruise and he kills the doctor and everything and he kills the whole plane load of people. That scene shows that he's a badass and he's willing to do whatever it takes to get what he wants. But, you know, we only get a mention from Anthony Hopkins like, oh, he used to be your double on a lot of missions. Like, and, why did he turn? Yeah, like, why did he turn, yeah. number one? And two, you know, he should have he should have a bigger beef, yeah. a personal beef with uh, Ethan Hunt. What's the reason why you turned? Yeah, right? what's, like, yeah, what's the reason why you turned? And what is your exact beef with Ethan Hunt? Because I think that would have raised the stakes a lot more if these two were supposed to be mirrors of each other. Because yeah. even when he breaks into a biosite, uh, the guys listing out every single thing that Ethan Hunt will do, we'll right? Do, yeah. Yeah, but we never have that personal connection between the two to kind of build up a lot of that suspense with. And we never get into his and Naya's relationship prior to. And I think that's another trash for me. I think it would have been nice to explore that. Like, yeah, he's a crazy dude, but like, why exactly did you leave? Like, what is it about him that scares you so much to go back to him? It should have been a much more frightening encounter. And I don't find Doug Ray Scott to be intimidating at all. Half the time he looks like he's ready to cry. He yeah, especially he, when he does this, the second Ethan Hunt mask. And, and, and he like finds out that Naya has like, yeah. betrayed and, him. Yeah. And he just looks like so sweaty and musty all the time. Right. <laughs> jacket pocket. Right. Jacket pocket. Well, then he does cry at the end too, right? Kind of when the, when his uh, number two gets shot. Oh, yeah. yeah when, so. when, his, when his boyfriend dies. Yeah. yeah just... <laughs> I can't. Hunt, you should have killed me. Yeah, like this isn't a, this isn't a trash, but it, it is definitely something I noticed. Like that whole finger cutting scene. It's kind of like the plot of uh, I forgot I forgot what movie it was, but there is a movie where like a henchman is like in love with his like boss or was it Punisher? That's, that's a Punisher. Punisher. Yes, yeah, yeah. Punisher. It, it was kind of like that. Um, my other thing is just the slow motion. Too, way too much yes, for no reason. Yes. This movie would be. 40 minutes shorter if there was less slow motion it's it's just like when the spanish dancers are tap yo when the spanish dancers are tap dancing do we need to see a foot coming it takes dude like i heated up a hot pocket before her shoe even hit the ground 
and I don't even eat hot pockets. I had to go to the store and get one and come back and heat it up. Dude, there's one in the the bio or bio lab or whatever when yeah. he's just like twirling and going taking cover. Oh, yeah, what was Awful. the point of that? Like, and then just just like the slow motion eye fuck that you were talking about, Dominic. <laughs> When they're spinning the car and it, and then it's just like the Enya music playing, like oh, Gladiator from Gladiator, and I'm just like, I felt like I was watching like Gladiator or 300 or whatever. But you see Tom Cruise's hair in that scene though, yeah, it was flowing pretty good, flowing, and his physique just flowing, flowing. It's a combination of everything. I I didn't like I didn't like the music, man. I didn't like I love Hans Zimmer. I love Hans Zimmer, but I did not like the music in this movie. It's so. It's so like overly dramatic and they're trying to sell this romance to me and I'm just like, y'all just met and she tried to kill you and yeah. you guys you guys boned once and now you're in love and you don't want to go on this mission. I agree with that, I'm man. I'm coming they, back for yeah. you. Yeah. Too, yeah, it's like, I'll come back for you. Like, it's too, like, you barely know her, man. Like, yeah, relax. You just met. Like, yeah, she sat on top of you in a tub, but like, you guys don't know each other and then, like, my biggest slow motion trash of all is when Naya's walking up to Ambrose uh, when she gets off the boat, oh, the boat. And the handkerchief. Yeah, the scarf comes off. Oh, scarf, the yeah. scarf comes off, and like Ambrose reaches out and like elegantly like reaches forward. And Hans Zimmer quickly goes, yeah. Doosh. <laughs> and then you get the zoom in. You get the this dramatic zoom in on it, and I'm just like, I'm like, what is happening? Like, what is happening right the now? Sexual tension. It's just no, dangerous no, no sexual tension whatsoever. That's what, that's what was his intent. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. So, you know, the last movie we talked about, um, Apple having a huge presence in that movie, Kodak in this movie, so many oh, cameras, yeah, yeah, right. so many Kodak cameras and memory cards in this movie. Really? There's a memory. Yeah. They take out a memory card. They, they take their time to set the camera aside and they open the memory card holder and they slide the memory card in and they close it and everything is stored on a camera. Like a, I don't know what the sizes were back then, but like a 32 gig memory card, which is what, you know, we use now, which is kind of out of date still, but it's just like everything is on a camera memory card in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, And there's Kodak cameras everywhere. When Ethan is like sifting through evidence, he's looking through a Kodak. Same with Ambrose. Like a compact flash. Yeah, I think yeah, so, yeah. Class, so yeah. maybe Kodak had to deal with them this time around. Yeah, even when McCloy is looking at it too, like he's looking at it on yeah, Kodak camera too. Yeah. Billy, not a fan. Is he supposed to be funny? I don't find him funny. Oh, you're talking about the the uh, the, the other, the the pilot. other guy, the pilot. The pilot, the other, yeah. The I other think Simon Pegg team. does it better in the next movies. Yeah. He oh, does it way better. Did, oh, you yeah. know, did you know Steve Zahn was supposed to be? Really? Yeah. I, I would agree with you on Kermit. I think Billy's character as being part of the Ethan's team, his character wasn't fleshed out. Like, he was there, but he didn't really... He didn't add anything to being like, you know, you have Luther and then later on in the films you have, you know, Benji. They added like they had, a, you know, things that they made them like, you know, memorable. His character was completely forgettable. Yeah. Um, Tom Cruise holding the side of the bike, which is cool to look at. But like I fully expected him to break out into the In My Feelings challenge, like while he's on the side of it. Like I, I was just like, how, how can you use that for cover? You're, you're using a bomb, like a a 80 mile an hour bomb for cover. Yeah. Yeah, Um, the fight between Ethan and Ambrose, that's straight out of Tekken. Like that is, that is literally, that is literally a stage and it's like two tech. It's like you got Kazuya and Heiachi fighting on the beach and, and they're fighting just like they're in Tekken. They're doing the flips and everything. 
Um, Tom Cruise doing Jean-Claude Van Damme Street Fighter moves. Yes. He does the flash <laughs> he kick. He did the flash kick in slow motion. And then, you know, I'm going a, I'm to a kill this real quick, but, uh, you know, we talked about the action. Other than the car chase, we don't get any action until an hour and 15 minutes into the movie when right. we're at Biosite. All right, so my last trash is Ethan's getting shot at as he's getting out to, like, the helicopter pad where Luther and the dude are. I, I don't know what the guy's name is. I, I already know what you're going to say, too. He he rolls over after I guess like incapacitating a guy or shooting him, <laughs> and he t- like this is how deep into the John Wooisms we are. We're so deep into John Woo right now. Ethan takes the time to reach into his jacket pocket, pulls out a pair of sunglasses frantically, and puts them on on his face. And I'm just like, you don't need those. You don't even like you don't need those. You haven't even gotten the bike yet. <laughs> Like you don't need he he takes the time because I I watched it and I was like where did he get those sunny. yeah I was like sunny. I was like where did he get the sunglasses from and I had to rewind it and I had to find the scene I was like this can't be this is so stupid this can't be I think it's worse that there is a scene where he's fumbling to put on his glasses he really is frantic yeah it? yeah as a, I would have rather just like don't just don't even show it because it's just like in his mind he's just like. Look cool while I'm doing this, and and I don't know, but that's it. You know, Tom Cruise made himself look cool in the movie, etc. But yeah, uh, so ticket prices, right? Yeah, ready uh, to go. Bling, how much are you paying to watch MI2? So I'm a little torn on this, and and here's why because I've seen all the films, and when I compare it to all the other films, like you know, one was trash for five dollars. This one here, on its own, I would give it ten dollars. I would want to give it more, but when you get to three, four, five, and then six, I mean, those films, the latter films get way, way better. So I'm a little torn between 10 and 15. I'm going to go with 10. I have to. I, I wish I could go higher, but then when I'm just comparing it to the other films. Like, I did enjoy this film. I thought it was better than the first one, but knowing and seeing the other films, like, it, it just doesn't compare, but I, I will give it a $10. All right. Mugga, how much are you paying for MI2? I gave... MI won ten dollars, right? I think you're right. Yeah. And uh, it was between a five and a ten dollar rating, mm-hmm. and I chose to go. Okay, so it's a low ten dollar rating. Mm-hmm. This one, I'm in between ten and fifteen. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, Blink. I don't know if I could give this a fifteen. Like I think I'm, it's a yeah. high ten for me. Yeah. Because I think the other ones get really good. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, I gotta go ten, but it's a high ten yeah, if that at all means anything to yeah, anyone yeah. who and, and I, whatever. I, 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 I kind of like, the same boat. Like I said, it's but on I'm, its own. I, I, I gotta give it a. T- I can't give it a fifteen because yeah. I think if I go MI three or goes protocol, yeah, I'm in you know the fifteen range. But I think I, I gotta give this a ten. Okay. All right, Dominic, how much are you paying to see MI two? I'm gonna say ten as well. I feel like uh, what the first one lacked, this one picked up, but then also the action scenes in the first one were a little bit more memorable, in my opinion, as far as like the being more grand or over the top, I should say. I don't know. They kind of balance out to me or they're equal each other out. So I'm going to go with 10. All right. Jason, how much are you paying to watch this movie? I think I'm going to go 10 as well. I know I gave the first one a 15 and kind of like what Dominic's saying, I, I just, I remember a lot of the scenes. Maybe there's some nostalgia that played a factor into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It kept truer to more of like a spy kind of film as opposed to this one. This one's a little bit different. There's more action. There's bigger action. There's a lot of stuff I liked this one, but I think, uh, I, I think I'm going to go 10 on this one. What about you, Kerwin? What are you going to give it? 
I'm going to give this movie a 10. Uh, you know, I, I used to rag on this movie so hard, but because it didn't stick yeah. with me. You know, yeah. it didn't stick with me. I, I'd seen it like twice, once on TV and I rented it, mm-hmm. but it never stuck with me. Just some of the pieces. But, you know, it's enjoyable. I compare it to like a face off. Uh, the plot is very similar or like reminiscent of a James Bond movie. Like yes. it, it feels, I heard that's what they were trying to do. Okay, yeah. yeah like it feel, this movie feels like a James Bond yeah. movie. There's a girl, there's like a fist fight, there's all this other stuff that, none of the stuff that we really had in the first movie, but I'll give it a 10. It's solid. You know, the first half can be a drag to get through and it's overly dramatic at times and unbelievable, but, you know, it's fun. And I will say, although they're way too direct sometimes, I do feel like this script works a lot better than the first one. So, you know, I'm going to go with $10 for this movie. We give it a $10 rating $10 across rating. the board. You didn't like the horse racing? Or is it, it's not? Oh, the, where yeah. they're at the races? No, you said I, it, it dragged, but did you like the horse racing? No, I, I like that because you got to see Naya showcase her yeah. skill and she wasn't just like an object, yeah. which is cool. Yeah, but the narration, come on. Oh, yeah, you didn't need it, all It that. is over the top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so if Tom Cruise plays this movie, who's yeah, playing? Tom Cruise. <laughs> All right, so Tom Cruise is not in this movie. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna flip it. What actor are you casting as Ethan Hunt in this movie? That's Wait, relevant to the time period, like as far as like early two thousands, relative relevant to the time period or anybody God, who was now around back then? Nick oh, Cage, I, anybody now or Johnny then? Depp, John Travolta. There's no way. No, John Travolta. Yeah, he was trying to come up. But. John Claude. Oh God! Nah, I, I would Steven's say Keanu because Keanu's is coming off the no, Matrix. Yeah, you can't do Keanu. Yeah, oh. Slow motion. I just I don't see anyone else being. I'm going. I'm going Wesley Snipes. Ooh. That's a good one. I'm going That's Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I see you growing. Yeah, I see okay. that. I see that. I'm gonna up you. Ready? Will Smith. Oh, yeah. Damn! Wow! Yeah, big two thousand. Two thousand. <laughs> 2000 action star, yes. Like, oh, he oh, was oh, big back you. then. Yeah, he's, he's like, like making music videos, starring in uh, uh, Wild, Wild Bad West. Boys, Wild, 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 Wild West, West. Yes. Big yeah. Will bringing the heat. Uh, uh. Can y'all feel that? Do you think a Nick Cage could? I don't think Nick Cage should do a spy. He doesn't have the hair. He doesn't have the hair. Doesn't have the look, the suave. He doesn't have the Tom Cruise hair. He's got to be someone with good hair. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Keanu Reeves. You think Keanu Reeves could have done it? I I think it's yeah. just too Point similar break, to Keanu the Matrix. Reeves? Maybe. Yeah. What about like an Antonio Banderas or something like that? Uh, he has good hair. Uh, no, yeah. I think I think Antonio Banderas. That was Banderas Zorro too, huh? Yeah, yeah. Might be able to. What about Sylvester Stallone then? If you're gonna do that. Oh, Sly. Uh, maybe. He's Rocky. Yeah, he can't. He can't do this kind of role. He's like he'd be more like Rambo, like murder. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. did do Tango and Cash, where he's like a cleaner type. No cop, but or I don't think stop he. Stop or my mom will shoot. <laughs> Bullet to the head. Oh, I got one. I got <laughs> no, one. Right for it. I'll go. Kurt, Kurt Russell. Mm. No, you don't think he's too old at this I point. I think he's too old at this point. Yeah. He just played Wyatt Earp. Did well, five years prior. To <laughs> okay, the timeline's a little off. Okay. But he had the hair. Yeah. Okay. Didn't they try to at one point pass the franchise off to Jeremy Rettner? Yeah, in part and, four. And yeah. it just it just they like it like it didn't work. It's like it has to be Tom Cruise. Well, like, it made the fourth one made so much money that they said, let's just stick with Cruise, I guess. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. I like Jeremy Rettner though. Yeah. I do like him. Yeah. I like him. I feel like he's really on the Have you seen the Hurt Locker? Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen the Hurt Locker. Yeah, great, yeah, great movie. Let me ask you, 
Does Tom Cruise ever run in this film? I'm trying to. Remember. Oh yeah. All right. So he does, and I actually wrote that down. Okay, Thank I'm you for reminding me. I'm trying to remember. Did he actually run that? All right. So Tom Cruise has done everything in this movie. Uh, he's climbed, fallen, jumped, uh, done pirouettes midair, dodging bullets, putting Neo to shame, and he's done all of this in this movie. But it's not until an hour twenty-five and seven seconds that he starts running. But he runs sideways when he's running away from Naya, saying. Uh, what's he say? He's like, uh, what is, what's I'm gonna come back for yeah. you. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, I'll come back. He, he don't runs, you die on me. <laughs> yeah, he runs sideways before he jumps out of the building, oh, Dark Knight right. style. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that's when he starts running at an hour twenty five and seven seconds. Okay, that's why wow. I remember. Okay, nothing, Dominic. Nah, I, I can't think of anyone that would replace Tom Cruise. All right, well, honest. in the words of Tom Cruise, fuck you, Sally. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of $20 Ticket. Follow us on Instagram at $20 Ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed. If you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20Ticket at gmail.com. That's 2-0, the numbers, $20Ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts and thank you for listening.